Hey guys, it's Kate Socialite again with episode 138 of The Kate Show. And today I'm speaking with a special guest to tell you all about logo design and branding advice that you as a home professional really need to know. Now, here's the deal. Branding is more than a logo, and I did not understand this for the first few years that I was in business. Now I can call it what it is. And after you guys listen to this interview, you will be able to as well. But here's a sneak peek. Branding is the personality of your business. Now, I've designed brands and helped name and launch businesses over the course of my career thus far, once I figured out what branding was. (laughs) But branding is honestly not my scope of genius. I can tell you all day long how to communicate your brand message and connect with your ideal client, but I leave the visuals to a professional graphic designer. And because this is such a huge topic, I've brought in Jill of Jula Paper to talk about all things branding. I started working with Jill a few years ago and continue to send all of Socialite's branding clients to her. We often collaborate on website design projects with my team designing the site and her giving us early access to that client's new brand. That expedites the brand and website design process and ensures that everything is cohesive and on track with what our mutual client wants. So the cool thing is a lot of you have already worked with Jill of Jula Paper and you're going to actually get to hear her voice. So that's fun, right? So don't miss out on this episode for all things branding, your design, staging, organizing, or window treatment business. You do not want to miss all the things that you are going to learn from this episode. Now, before we dive into my conversation with Jill, I want to give you a little scoop on exactly who she is. So like you, Jill wears a lot of hats, and being a wife and a mom are at the very top of that list. She's really grateful that her job allows her to do something that she loves while still having the flexibility to be there for her people when she needs to be. Jill is a self-taught designer who has always had a passion for paper. She was the girl dueling in her notebooks and fascinated with stationery stores, notepads, and her mini Filofax. Now, 20-some years later, she designs for incredible small businesses and families and gets to look at pretty paper every day, which honestly, guys, does not sound like a bad gig by any stretch of the imagination. You guys can connect with Jill at julapaper.co. Now, let's get right into my conversation with Jill. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Kate Show. I have Jill here with me today to talk about all things branding and graphic design. So, Jill, welcome to The Kate Show. Thank you so much, Kate. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really thrilled to have you on as well, because I honestly, in the years I've been doing this podcast, I've never had a graphic designer on the show. And I have no idea why, because graphic design is such a huge part of marketing. So, and a quick disclaimer for everybody listening, Jill is the one person I send all branding clients to because I do not have a graphic designer in-house. I have no desire to do it because it is a art form all its own. So anyone who has ever reached out to Socialite asking for branding, you always end up with Jill. And there is a reason for that. So Jill, before we dive into all of that, can you tell us how you ended up being a graphic designer? Because I know that you have quite a variety of skill sets and there's got to be a story behind that. (laughs) 
Yeah, thank you. And that was very sweet. I love working with everyone you send my way. So thank you for that. So my career journey has certainly been interesting. I had lifelong dreams of becoming a doctor when I was young. I went to college as a biology major. And when I graduated, decided I didn't want to pursue medical school right away. So I found a job with a sports publishing company. They were looking for people who had a love of sports, no graphic design experience necessary. I was a college athlete and grew up in a home where we were always active. So it was a natural fit. That job taught me how to use design software. And I absolutely fell in love with the possibilities that that offered to me. After I got married, I started my business with wedding invitations and ran it as a side hustle for many years while I worked full time and we grew our family. When the twins were born in 2014 and we had three boys under the age of three, I made a conscious decision to invest more into my business and to see where it could take me. So I took a few online classes and read everything I possibly could to learn more about typography and design, print production, with the goal to eventually transition away from the corporate world. That decision was ultimately made for me when the company I worked for closed 18 months later, and I had the opportunity to spend more time growing my business while I was at home. The kids were still really young, and the balance between motherhood and business was really hard, but I did get to be present for many things I probably would have missed otherwise. And now that balance looks different. Before COVID, the boys were in school during the day, and I had that shift where I was finally able to be a business owner during set hours, Monday through Friday, and be mom as soon as they got off the bus. It's a little bit messier now that they're in hybrid learning, but I'm confident that this is just a season and we're making it work once again. Mm -hmm. Um, But that balance of being mom and running my business is exactly what I had dreamed it would be. And that is so awesome to hear. It, it's inspiring for me because like I have one child, you have three, they're still all quite young. And sometimes like when I was sending you the notes for this interview and I wrote the word balance, I had to stop for a second because I'm like, is there even such a thing? Right. It, I feel like it's more like a juggling act because somebody will get sick or need to come home early for some reason and or the person you had lined up to watch your kids can't anymore. And all of a sudden the whole day changes and it's like, (laughs) whoa. (laughs) And, uh, and those changes don't care about your business or your deadlines (laughs) or your clients or anything like that. So kudos to you. That's just a lot. And I want to ask too. So how has your husband been through all of this? Because I know my husband, you know, he's obviously very supportive. And I can tell just from what you post on social, I know yours is as well. But how has he been as far as these changes with COVID with, you know, you being self-employed? I mean, it definitely impacts us as women, but how do you think it's impacted him? It does. You're so right. I saw some crazy statistic yesterday that there's a disproportionate amount of moms who are sacrificing their careers to help with at-home learning. And I think that's true. I don't think it's necessarily because men are viewing their wives' roles as any differently as theirs. But in our family, you know, the dynamic is that I do have a flexible schedule. And so we have the opportunity to make it work in that way. But he's been incredibly uh, supportive this whole time. I was really lucky to have him home through most of the summer. And so the in the spring, he got to help with online learning, obviously balancing his job as well. 
And then when he went back to the office, we had to find a new normal. So that meant that I found pockets of time while the kids are you know, at camp or doing online schooling. And then when he gets home, we kind of swap places and I will close the doors to my office and work in quiet for a few hours while he runs them to sports or makes dinner. And we just make it work like that. I think years ago, there used to be this mentality that if you didn't have set hours of your business, you were not successful. And I think that we've all learned in this environment that you do what you need to to make it work. And if that's pockets of time after they go to bed or while they're being watched by a babysitter or whatever the scenario is, you just roll up your sleeves and make it work for the season. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you said that too. It The part about teamwork with your spouse, I think pretty much every married couple has realized that it's either you right. become each other's best friend or your enemies yeah. because it's just... <laughs> a little bit stressful these days. Absolutely. And the pockets of time and not having a set work schedule. Oh my goodness, that resonates with me. Because even before COVID, just having my baby now toddler with me, it's like, if her schedule changes, my entire day changes. And it's just, it's just what it is. Yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) So the thing that I would like to talk with you about as far as like all the people who are listening and that, you know, largely designers, stagers and workrooms, and also quite a few professional organizers. Now they're in the same position that you and I are where it's like, you know, they have a spouse, they have kids, they still have to have a normal life and also either start a business for the first time or try to grow it amidst all these challenges that, you know, none of us can control. So absolutely a big need they have, and I know because they come to me and I send them to you, is <laughs> they need better branding. They yes. they have DIY'd their logo. We all know that feeling. I've had DIY'd logos. And when I catch a glimpse of some of my old logos, I shudder because <laughs> it's not me. It's not my brand. And that's how a lot of people listening feel. So what concerns do you have about the people who are still using a DIY logo or brand and let's say they're constantly changing the fonts or the colors they're using just because they're, they want to use something they like. You know, right. One year they like serif font, the next year they like sans serif, and then the colors change all the time. What would you say to them? So before I answer this, I have to say out loud that DIYing your logo is completely okay. When you're just starting out and you can't afford to invest in branding, most designers would encourage you to do this, or at least they should. Find a simple, clean font and type out your business name and use it consistently. It doesn't have to be earth shattering. It just needs to be consistent. Mm. Constantly changing your logo or your colors from year to year creates brand confusion. And on a deeper level, probably means you're not very confident in your product or services. It's completely okay to evolve and change as a business. But until you're confident in who your ideal client is and who you want to be targeting, staying consistent in your brand elements keeps your customers engaged and really is the foundation of brand awareness. Changing your logo or your fonts to mimic what's trending at the moment or a color palette that you saw on somebody else's Instagram feed is not a reflection of your brand. It's a reflection of theirs. So when you are not ready to work with a brand designer, Doing something clean and simple and staying consistent is what your goal should be. I really like that you pointed out it's okay to be DIY in the beginning. Because I do think that for a lot of people, that can be a barrier to entry. And they're like, well, I 
I can't start my business until I save up enough to hire a professional graphic designer. And then they just put off their dreams longer and longer. Absolutely. Have you found that, or I guess I should just ask, what is your opinion? If someone had to DIY their logo, should they go for a text-only logo or should they try to add some sort of graphic element into it? Uh, I know you said simple and clean, so I'm just trying to get a good picture of what that would mean. So I think either can work and it really depends on who you are and the general idea or vision you have for your business. If there's an icon or a graphic that's really meaningful to you or really symbolic to your business, I'd say use it. There's plenty of places to find affordable ones online, and that is something easy to add. If you don't feel that connection to something like an icon or a graphic, just typing out your business name, whether that's your personal name or a name that you've made for your business is also fine. And that change can happen in six months, a year. In fact, there's so many websites now that they just use a simple, clean, typography logo at the top, even if a brand has a full brand workup because they're focusing on the imagery on the site or the services. And I think it can still be impactful and consistent. That's a really good point. Now, there is something that people get confused about when it comes to branding. And I was confused about this for a long time too. And that is that branding is so much more than just a logo. The logo is a thing that people are always obsessed with, including me. I love a pretty logo. (laughs) But what constitutes a full brand beyond just a logo? Well, there's a long and short answer to this, so I'll keep it brief. But your brand is truly the first impression of your business. And while your logo might be the first thing a client will see, your brand is so much more than that. It's an experience that touches your client every single time they interact with you. It's the tone you use in your copy and your captions. It's your business values. It's what you stand for. And it's all really very tied to emotion. You'll hear a lot of people use Starbucks or Target or even Disney as examples of brilliant branding. And they are. We went to Disney last year, and as a designer, I was absolutely in awe of how they tie their brand through every single interaction and visual. It's truly fascinating. But those comparisons of these big businesses can make a small business owner feel really overwhelmed, almost like their branding should have the same impact. A brand to a small business is their home, and it should be a reflection of your client and feel complete. On a technical level, that means A branding package gives you all the tools that you need to stay consistent and easily recognizable. But your brand is really more than your logo. It's just that your logo is what your customers happen to see first. And I want to highlight one thing you said there. You said the brand you have is a reflection of your client. And I think that's an important distinction because a lot of business owners, including myself back in the day, I thought my brand needed to be a reflection of me. It needed to be things that I liked, whether it was a font or a color or the things that I talked about. And that definitely stunted the growth of my business and it made it almost impossible to market. So when you're working with someone, let's say the younger version of Kate, when (laughs) I didn't know a darn thing, how do you help them create a brand that speaks to their client while still being true to who they are as an interior designer or a home stager? So this is really tricky, and I think that there's there's two ways to approach it. I think young Kate or a young designer probably doesn't necessarily know who their ideal client is, and that's because you're new. 
there's a lot of growth that happens in the first few years of your business. And I think both of us can confidently say from the other side that when you first start out, you will literally take any work thrown at you. Mm-hmm. I did. And I truly believe that as your business evolves, you quickly learn what you love and what you don't love and that your ideal client begins to show you who they are. So when you see that person eventually come as a client in your business and you identify them as the person that you would like to continue working with, that's when you can really start to hone down on your brand representing your client and not necessarily yourself. Mm. For a lot of people, myself included, my brand is a reflection of me. I do believe that I am my ideal client. People who appreciate the same things I do, the same kind of aesthetic, we are the people that mesh really well together, especially on brand and stationary projects. But if that's not true, and that's also okay, your brand needs to be a reflection of the person that you want to sell your services to. And that may not look like you. It may not look like your design aesthetic. It may not look like your house or your living room, but that's okay. Your business doesn't have to be you. It has to sell to a specific person. I agree 120%. And there are a lot of people that I speak with who end up realizing they are their own ideal client. I actually just posted on Instagram about this today, but (laughs) by the time people hear this, it'll be like a, a week later or so. But that's a very important distinction. Either you are your ideal client or you're not. And yeah, in your case, it makes complete sense. You, in a lot of ways, are your own ideal client. You work with a creative entrepreneur. But on the flip side, I am not my ideal client. Not at all. I am like the furthest thing from my ideal client that it's kind of ridiculous. (laughs) And so that's why I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're your own ideal client, do you find that it's a bit easier or just feels more natural to speak in your brand voice to your ideal client versus speaking to to an ideal client who is not at all like yourself? So maybe it's because I do feel like I am my ideal client. I actually find it really challenging. And I think a good example of how I feel differently about those two things is, I'm not sure if we ever spoke about this, but I ran a wedding blog for a few years and it was a regional wedding blog Our area didn't have a local place for vendors to showcase their work. They were getting lost on national sites. And I felt this need that we needed a really wonderful, comprehensive, beautiful wedding blog to showcase the amazing talent in our local area. But I was a mom with three really little kids and my wedding was almost a decade ago. So I couldn't identify with the people that I was talking to. Weddings had changed so much in 10 years. I couldn't even imagine planning one with Pinterest. I mean, Pinterest wasn't even around when I got married, but I almost felt like it was easier to write and talk to those people because it wasn't me. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to pretend that I understood what it was like to plan a wedding in 2018 or to be that age again. And I felt like the words just were so easy. And I do feel like it's challenging to talk about my own business and share information because it's very personal. Mm, That's fascinating. And I can see how it makes sense because when people say they struggle with talking about themselves, whether they're trying to write their little tiny bio on Instagram or the actual about page of their website, I, I run into this too, where I'm like, if I have to write my own about page or, re- or update it, I'm like, crap, 
Yeah. I, I, <laughs> what? Because like I can write bios for other people all day long, but you're so right. When it is about ourselves, I feel like that's when a lot of us get writer's block, marketer's block, branding mm-hmm. block. Oh, it, it's, there's got to be some sort of psychological element to that. Yes, absolutely. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Whether someone has an ideal client just like them or completely separate from them, how do they tell a story through each brand element? And could you just give us a short list of what those brand elements or the, what's the word I'm looking for? The deliverables. Like like if someone's working with you and then you send them all of these different graphically designed things, how do they tell a story? So to be honest, the word story tends to feel big and unattainable sometimes to people. I think because we feel like maybe our story isn't worthy of telling. And that is so not true. Your brand story is unique to you. Whatever led you to this moment in running your business is important. And whoever inspired you to start or keep going, that's worthy of sharing. And your brand is really a culmination of those things. So for example, you know, maybe you're starting a drapery business and your grandmother inspired you to start because she was a talented seamstress and you want to continue that tradition on a bigger scale. That could mean that in our discovery phase, you share with me that green was her favorite color and that is something that we add to your brand color palette. Or maybe she taught you how to use on a, taught you how to sew on a uh, vintage sewing machine. And that maybe becomes our brand icon. One thing to remember is that your story doesn't have to be outwardly explicit all the time. As a customer gets to know you and hears your story or these small anecdotes of your why, they'll begin to connect the dots and see that story unfold in your branding. And then they'll feel a stronger connection to you and your business. Those brand elements or the deliverables that you spoke about, they're all the tiny pieces that make up a bigger picture. From a brand perspective or a designer perspective, that is everything from primary and secondary logos, color and font palettes, submarks. It could be patterns, icons. It could be a custom signature at the end of your blog post. All of those little pieces make up that story. And like I said, it doesn't need to be outwardly explicit all the time, but Feeling that story pull through things that you share over time is what will attract a client to feeling connected with you. Mm. You know, there are so many good quotes that I could take from you in this interview. (laughs) Because when you said some people feel like their story is not worth telling, oh man, that just hit me to the core. That that is so true. Yeah. So many people feel that way. I've felt that way. So I know that right now, story brand is all the rage. And obviously, like, there's truth in that. But it, I like what you said. It, it's just that a lot of us feel like it's not worth telling. We're not that mm-hmm. interesting, or so we say. And it's really also interesting to me that you have explained the brand as something that doesn't have to be blatant from first glance. Like you wouldn't go to a drapery workroom website and then the headline reads, my grandma inspired me to start this business. <laughs> you know, like, but it really is nuanced. Just like I always use this analogy, but if you are dating someone and you get to know them, you don't necessarily get to know everything about them on the first date. If yes. you do, that's weird. And <laughs> uh, they might, you, guys, you might never see them again. I don't know. But when it's very nuanced and very organic 
that you're right. That is when people develop that know, like, and trust factor, and they become loyal followers and not just one-time customers. Absolutely. You don't have to share everything right up front. And I think that, not that it needs to be a mystery, but slowly telling that story over time is really important. You know, you don't need to tell everybody everything at first glance. And there are some stories and brands and websites that do do that and they do it really well. But if that doesn't feel like you and it doesn't feel like your business, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. That takes so much pressure off the business owner listening. Yes. That's so helpful. (laughs) Now, okay, let's talk nuts and bolts. What is the process of developing a brand? I know you hinted at the discovery session of it and Once you get past, or actually, can you go back and can you explain a little bit more about what happens in discovery and then just kind of take us through to the end? Absolutely. So my job is to help you create a visual, a visual representation of your brand. So first I need to get to know you and I need to get to know your business. So right off the bat, I speak with every potential client by phone. We get to know one another and make sure we both feel comfortable. Branding is an emotional process and it requires a lot of back and forth between us. So we both need to make sure that our personalities mesh. And that is 100% a non-negotiable upfront. It's a casual half an hour conversation. And if we both feel really good when we get off the phone, we can move forward. All of those clients fill out a brand questionnaire. Some people call it homework and that's okay, but it's a, a deep dive into your business and your goals and your ideal client. Some of those questions are about the places your clients may shop who their competitors are, especially if they're a brick and mortar business, and adjectives that they'd want their customer to use while talking about them to somebody else. The second part of that assignment is a Pinterest board where they're asked to pin imagery that feels like a visual representation of their brand. And this can be anything, outfits, jewelry, interiors, landscape, even food, but they feel like the aesthetic uh, of their customer is represented in those images in some way. There's no editing involved. That's my job. It's just a fun activity to discover your brand aesthetic. And from there, there's a natural evolution of patterns. And that's how I complete the mood board, which is the first piece of the brand process. That mood board is a visual reminder of our direction moving forward and something I reference really often during the brand process. From there, concepts are developed, tweaked, and approved, all with an open dialogue. And then when everything is signed off on and all of those deliverables are ready, the final product is something that the client feels they were immensely involved in. And honestly, they helped create that once they feel that connection to the brand and feel like they love it, they're excited to share it with the world. Yeah, that is a highly collaborative process. And it... In some ways, I feel like it is similar to website design because there is quite a bit of back and forth. And at the end of the project, everyone feels like, whew, yeah. <laughs> we, we all worked really hard on this. Now, if someone wants a brand professionally created, do they have to already know who their ideal client is? Because I can hear a lot of my listeners saying right now, but Kate, Jill, I don't exactly know, but I just, I know that I need to get a really beautiful brand if I'm going to attract anyone. So who, like, what do you say to that person who is feeling all sorts of anxiety about this now? So it's probably an unpopular opinion, but my answer is no to that question. You don't need to know who your ideal client is when you're first starting. 
like I mentioned earlier, there's so much growth that happens when you first start in your business and not knowing who that ideal client is, is, is okay. It's part of the learning curve and it's part of your growth as a business owner and of your business. But what you should have is a good understanding on your why, your services, and maybe the overall feel of your business. Is it modern? Is it rustic? Is it classic? Those are really the biggest things that you need to know. The ideal client will come in time, but working with a brand designer on a professional look that you feel confident about is kind of the groundwork to get started. The rest will come and there's no need to stress about it. Mm -hmm. And I completely agree. And I know that some of my listeners will be like, but Kate, you always say you have to know who your ideal client is. And I do say that. But I also say that the first two years of being in business are the hardest because you're just trying to figure out everything. And it's a lot. It is completely overwhelming. And I didn't know who my ideal client was for the first few years either. But you do eventually figure it out. So to your point, Jill, you said eventually your ideal client makes themselves known. Yeah. Do you ever find that someone comes to you for a professional brand and then they come back later because they're like, I figured out who my ideal client is and I feel like my brand needs to be tweaked a little bit. Does that ever happen or am I just imagining things? No, it does. And I think I've had the opportunity to see all sides of the spectrum here. So working with new businesses who really can't answer that question, there are new businesses who are so honed in on who that person is and who they want to sell to that they really aren't in that position. And then there's people who come to me, maybe I didn't design their first logo or their first brand, but they come after two to four years in business and they've been doing this a while and they have a moment of clarity that says, I know who my ideal client is. A lot of them use the term, my brand needs to feel a bit more grown up and that they're ready for like that next phase of their business. So that ideal client is definitely the key but knowing that you don't need it right when you start is perfectly okay. And that's why starting out with a DIY logo or semi-custom logo is a good way to go because you still have a lot of discovery to find out about you and your client when you're first learning. Let's talk for a minute about that semi-custom logo because I know that there are a lot of business owners who maybe, especially because of COVID, they can't afford custom branding but you have an alternative for this. And I like this because you think outside the box. We think very similarly. What alternative do you have for people who are like, all right, I want to work with Jill, but I, I need to do something that is semi-custom? Yeah. So I have always said from day one that I wanted to meet clients where they were. And I hope that I got across today that I believe a professional looking logo should or brand shouldn't be reserved for people who can spend thousands of dollars out of the gate, especially now after so many people were financially impacted by the pandemic. COVID taught us all that we need to have an online presence in order to have a sustainable business. And I know the key to that is a strong brand, even if you're just getting started. So I've launched the Brand Shop, which is specifically targeted to these businesses. It's a collection of brand templates that are personalized on every level. A client can pick out the brand package they feel most drawn to, and it'll be tailored specifically for their business. And these are complete packages, the same thing I offer in a custom branding service. They are primary and secondary logos, a submark, color and font palettes, business card digital files, and a brand style guide. 
And the benefit of choosing a semi-custom brand is that the turnaround is fast because they're already designed and the choices are right there available to you. In a week's time, you have almost everything you need to launch a rebrand and feel really confident in doing that. That is so cool. And I love that everything is so customized because then it means they're not going to have a logo or a brand that looks like everybody else's. Absolutely. Now, if somebody decides to go that route, do you have any details on how many rounds of revision or what that looks like from a practical standpoint? I do. All of that information is on the website and then is also included in the questionnaire they receive after checking out. Usually it includes two rounds of revision, but everything is custom to the business that they have in mind. So if the colors that you see online are completely wrong, you share with me what colors you have in in mind for your rebrand. If you see the first round of revisions and are just really not happy with how your business name or how your name looks in that logo format, we can talk about it and find a better solution. But I want everybody to walk away feeling like they have all the tools in their pocket that they need to make an online presence look really professional and sophisticated and get started as quickly as they can. For a lot of people, getting on a brand wait list is almost impossible to achieving your goals, especially if someone can't start working with you until the end of next year. So this makes that more attainable for them. Yeah, totally. I'm very excited to see the brand shop. I'm super excited because (laughs) I love your work. That's why I send people to you. And just the fact that you've now made this so easy, it's kind of a no-brainer. I I hope that people listening just rush over to your website to check (laughs) it out. Thank you. I hope it's helpful too. I, I really saw so many businesses struggle over the last months and some of the ones that I adore in my local community were completely shuttered by this. And a lot of them couldn't survive because they didn't have a presence online. They, like many businesses over the last, you know, decade to 20 years, relied on people walking into a physical location. And when that became impossible, people had to pivot their businesses really quickly. And I hope that not just during the pandemic, but this shop is a tool for people moving forward who realize that they need that their, that support in their business and need an alternative to in-person shopping or in-person selling, and that this gives them a foundation to get started. Mm, yes. And also, as a side note, I know that I have a lot of listeners who are actually living in your neck of the woods, as we say awesome. here in Wisconsin. <laughs> um, and, and just to clarify, that would be the New Jersey area. Yes. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Not that everyone listening is going to go knock on your front door now, because that would also be weird. But it is very nice to just know that you are working with another creative business that's in your relative area. I've always thought that is a cool thing. So Jill, thank you very much for coming on the Kate Show today. Thank you for having me, Kate. This was wonderful. Well, I'm really glad we could make it happen. And I feel like I'm going to have to have you back because, like I said, you gave me so many quotable statements. Now I've got to have my podcast producer pull all those out. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime. You just tell me when. Okay. Well, you have a good one. Thanks, Kate. You too. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.